The rest of you can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're looking at the anchors that anchor your soul, the identities that anchor your soul from Ephesians chapter 1 and what it means for our lives, how it, how it impacts our lives. Um, and in Ephesians chapter 1, we looked last week at the idea of chosen, that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him, and that when we're in Christ, our identity is not based on our performance, nor on, our, uh, on what we think of ourselves or what even what others think of us. It's what God has chosen to do in our lives and to put us in a relationship with him so that we're with him and, and that that relationship is the primary relationship of our lives. And therefore, it's not based on what's happening to us. It's based on what God is doing in the midst of what is going on in our lives. And that it makes a huge difference as we approach our lives. This, that means, in a sense, that, that we are part of a group. And when you start talking about being part of a group, you have this challenge of what people call kind of the one and the many. That is, that are we talking about the individual or are we talking about what's important for the group? For instance, right, uh, classic kind of dilemma in, in an ethics class might be, okay, you see a railroad car hurtling down the track out of control. Um, you, you, it's, it's headed for five people, and, but you see that if you pull the switch, you're kind of standing at the railroad switch, you could pull the switch and it would veer off, but it would hit one person instead of the five people. Do, do, you, do you pull the switch to save five people but let one person die? Like, which is more important, the one person or the group? And, and of course, that kind of ethical dilemma, like, okay, I wouldn't face that too often. Yes, but we, we face similar types of things all the time. Like, what's most important? Like, even, even when we're, like, young and in, 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 in sports or whatever, which, what's more important, the team or the individual? So my daughter and my wife are coaching my youngest daughter's soccer team. And uh, they're just learning how to play soccer. And one of the girls on the team, uh, she, she decided that basically this game was mostly about her. And so she would sub herself off and sub herself in whenever she thought that, she, that it was good for her. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, like, I'm out. Like, she just walk off the field. You know, like, uh, okay, somebody else going in, you know. Or, or I'm in. Like, wait, 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 you can't just put yourself in the game just whenever you feel like it, right? And, and because you, there's rules, in a sense, to how the, whether the group is more important or the individual is most important and when that happens in a soccer game. The problem is, is when the, rule, the rules aren't so straightforward or when we disagree about what the rules should be, Right? And sports, one of the classic examples, right, that we're kind of wrestling with as a society overall is like someone who views their gender as different from what God gave them, right? And especially in female sports, it becomes, a, it becomes an issue, right? Because if you say a, a guy decides to, to be a girl and then play girl sports, like what's more important, the individual and how they feel about who they are or the team, the group, the, the, the class of girls. How, how does that work? Or the, another big one in our society right now is vaccinations, right? 
What's more important, the individual that says, hey, it's, it's my body, my rights, I, I want what I want for my body, I don't, I don't want the vaccine, or the group that says, hey, if you, if you get the vaccine, we're, we're all, we all benefit. You see, see the classic challenges we have in regard to this? this there aren't easy answers at times because what's more important, the individual or the group? And frankly, the answer often is yes. They're both important, but how, how do you put it together then? How, how do you make it work? And in, in, our, in our time together, we're going to see how God is working in our situation to, to put us into a group and yet to preserve that, both the individuality of who we are and to help us to see who we are in Christ. Because it gets more complicated than just who's more important, the individual or the group. We like, we like to think of our group, whatever group we get into, as most important or as special, right? Well, like, we, we want to be on the winning team, not the losing team, right? I mean, for, for Cyclone fans, we didn't like being on the losing team, right, yesterday. You know, if you're an Iowa fan, you're like, woo, I'm on the winning team. I'm awesome. I don't know how you're awesome because your team won, but that's another story, right? But that's, that's the challenge we get into, right, is we take on the identity of our group. We do that. You heard Jackie's testimony this, this morning talking about how she had kind of, she got saved early as a child and then kind of, in a sense, moved away from identity as a Christian. That was the primary thing she was thinking about, the primary thing she was doing. She didn't say what she moved toward, but, but she moved toward something else. And in the process, just things didn't go as well, right? And that's the challenge we have as Christians is that once we decide that the group, that our, in a sense, our group identity isn't as important as some other group identity that we have, all of a sudden we get into trouble. We start to take on the values and the intents, the purposes of the other group. And it, and it, it just takes us down. It destroys us. You say, but we, but we want to be on the winning team, not the losing team. And sometimes it feels like Christianity is losing, so why be on that team? It's a good question. What about other, other winning and losing teams, rich versus poor, right? We don't like to be poor. We'd rather be rich. Or we want to be popular and not unpopular. We want to be a part of this particular group. We want to view ourselves as special, as accepted, ultimately loved. And it gets even more complicated when you start talking about family, right? When you think about your family, what, what family you grew up with. Family is a place where both individuals are nurtured and yet the group is honored as well. This is a good, family is often a good combination for that, but family can also be a time where our sins and our weaknesses are most profoundly exposed, right? The, the, the way we handle life gets seen in all its ugliness at times. Family's a place where you know, the tone of whether your performance matters more than who you are, right? If sometimes your parents are putting too much emphasis on, hey, you got to win, you got to win, you got to win. And then you're thinking, I'm, I'm going to take this on, I'm going to take this identity of winning on. 
until I lose. Family's often the place where you, 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 you already have... A, it's, it's interesting, right? Because we both... We have a family of origin, but most of us want to establish a family of our own, right? And, and when you get the chance to establish a family of your own, you want it to be special. You want it to be great. You want it to, to, to feel loved, and, and, and yet, at times, it doesn't feel that way. When we talk about family, we're talking about both the individuals in the family, and we're talking about the group that is the family. And in the process of talking about that and considering that together, we have to ask the question, again, what's more important, the individual or the group? Because as you said, sometimes if we lose our group identity, our individual lives break up. But if, but if the group doesn't treat the individual well, then why would you want to be part of the group, right? Why would you want to be part of that group? You see the, the tension that the world lives in, and what, God do, what I want you to see is that God is ultimately the, the answer to the question, okay? In, in, a, in a very profound way. We're not going to get into it fully this morning, but I want you to consider the Trinity for just one second, okay? What, what's more important for the Trinity, the individual or the group? And the answer is yes. Why? Because they're all part of the Godhead. They're equally and perfectly all God. Do you imagine three perfect, all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing individuals, right? And yet they choose to work in perfect harmony, in perfect glory. No, no one person is, try, is striving to be better or more significant or more important than the rest. Instead, they're all giving praise and honor and glory to one another. And... And the Trinity is the basis of reality, if you will. It's how God created his world. And he put these dichotomies of the one and the many into his world in such a way that we have to wrestle with them in order to understand ultimately who he is better. But then also we get the privilege as believers of entering into living this way in just a little way. And it's called being part of the family of God. And once you enter into that family, the family of God, you, you enter into these tensions of who's more important, me or the group? And the answer is yes in profound way. So let's just look at Scripture together. Again, we, we read it already this morning uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So he's saying God has in Christ blessed us. He's, he's given us these permanent, valuable, spiritual blessings that we have. The first one here, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So here we have the first blessing chosen, and we have the next blessing predestined to adoption. I'll just say adoption, okay? And I want you to notice just briefly here that in the middle, there's this phrase, in love. And some of your translations put it as part of being chosen, and some of your translations uh, put it as, as part of being adopted, and the reason for that is because in Greek, it's unclear. 
which that prepositional phrase in love does it does it modify being chosen or does it modify being adopted and it's unclear part of it's because it's all one sentence in greek i want you to think of it like a panel book that opens up you have this the blessings of god book that you have this is who you are in christ and you open up the first one and the first one says chosen And then you open up the next one and it says adopted. And the hinge between the two, chosen and adopted, is love. That is, love is the one that's motivating being chosen, you're chosen in in Christ, and that you're adopted. Love is the hinge that makes both of those happen. So when we're talking about being adopted into God's family... Part of what we're saying here is that it's, it's not based on, like, you know, the, who you are, in a sense. It's about who God is. And that's what, what I kind of want to bring out in the first point here, if I can get my clicker to work. Or my first point is our acceptance is not self-defined or group-defined. So the, the, the key here in thinking about this is who's more important, the individual or the group, is to realize that our acceptance as an individual is not based on who we are, nor really based on who the group is. Okay? Think back to high school for those of you who have been through that experience. Right? There's always groups. There's always groups. Because you're trying to figure out who you are. Are you part of the sports group? Are you part of the art group? Are you part of the I don't care about anything else group? You know? Which group are you a part of? And, and you're always, and, and that acceptance is often not self-defined, but it's group-defined. It's like, well, well, yeah, if I'm in this group, then I'm accepted. And, then, and we have rules, and if people don't fit those rules, then you're not accepted. You're not in the in-group, whatever that group is. And sometimes we rebel against all of those, and we say, no, I'm not going to be group-defined. I'm going to be self-defined. I'm going to define who I am by my performance, what I say is most important to me. The problem with that is, is that's a pretty lonely place to be. If all you're thinking about is what you think is important, what's important to you, then all of a sudden you realize, but nobody else thinks that I'm that important because I don't care about them. (laughs) And we're back to the problem. And what I want you to see from Scripture here is that our adoption, we're predestined to adoption, is is not based on either one of those things. John 1, 12 through 13 makes it perfectly clear about this. He's talking about becoming children of God. Here he says, but to all who did receive him, that is Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, is to be accepted into the family of God, right? That word there, right, is the, the, the word for authority. We have the authority, we have that ability to become, to, to be called children of God. And then he adds this explanation at the end, who were born, so how did we become children of God? We're born not of blood, that is not based on your, you know, your background, like which family are you a part of, okay? Nor of the will of the flesh, that is I don't on my own decide I'm going to be God's child. It's not based on my will, and my desire, nor of the will of man, nor is, he's saying, in a sense, nor is the will of mankind. Like, we decide who's in God's family and who's out. He's like, that doesn't matter. Who decides who's in his family? God does. God decides to adopt you into his family. And of course, we have cooperation with that. It says, but to all who did receive him, that we have to to accept 
what he's done for us. But ultimately, that choice doesn't come from us. It comes from God. And so therefore, we're not self-defined. We're, it's not just up to us. Like, I, I decided to become a Christian. I want to become a Christian. I'm making myself a Christian. No, nope. God works in us. But nor are we group-defined. Like, okay, we, we just kind of voted, and, and, and Jackie was saying, I want to be a part of this, this group. I want to be a part of, of loving one another and serving one another and working together for, for God together. But ultimately, we don't decide that either. We're just acknowledging what God has done in her life. We're saying, yes, look what God's done. She's giving testimony of what God has done. And we're saying, yes, that's exactly, we believe that. Why is that important? Well, it, it kind of takes us out of ourselves. It takes us from just not not being so concerned about what, what, which group we're a part of, in a sense, but making sure we're, we're, that we're letting God define who we're a part of. If that's true, again, going back to the groups we love to be a part of, like, I'm on the winning team. Maybe, maybe you have a, a, a nation that you're, that you're from. We have several nations represented here, United States, China, others, right? India. And, and we all have a natural pride and joy in where we're from. That's, it's a good thing to be proud of where you're from. The question comes, though, is which, which identity takes precedence? The nation you're from or what God has done in your life? Or sometimes it's just the, the, kind of the, the team you're on, right? Which, which takes more precedence? The fact that you're on the Cyclones or the Hawkeyes team? Or that you're on what God has done in your life team? Which one takes precedence? It was, and it's easy in church. I get it. I get it. It's easy in church. Like, well, of course, I'm on the God team. You know, that's the way it goes. But when push comes to shove, when push comes to shove, right? When it's not so easy, right? Like you're tempted when, you're, when your team loses, right? To be like, well, it was the ref's fault or it was, you know, it was this person's fault, that person's fault. We, 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 we want to blame somebody rather than just being like, you know what, that team isn't so important as the fact that I'm on God's team. And we can spend a lot of emotional energy, a lot of work, a lot of, uh, a lot of personal energy, just being honest, right? So like I'm coaching my son's team yesterday and, uh, and we lost and I'm like, I want to blame somebody. I wanna, and I spent a lot of emotional energy trying to figure out who to blame, when, does it really matter if I'm on God's team? No. But that's what we do, unfortunately, is we get caught up in the other teams, the other identities, the other groups that we're in, and we forget that our primary, our most important, the, the foundational group that we should consider ourselves in is, 
what the team where, where God is, what God has done in our lives, and that makes a huge difference into how we approach life, how we view ourselves, how we view what is going on around us. If I'm on the God team and my team loses, I'm more concerned about representing God than I am about representing my team. Right? If I'm with other people and, and they're maybe from different countries or they're from different backgrounds, I'm more interested in representing God than I am about representing my side of the story. And that's what God has done for us when it says he's predestined us to adoption. He's giving you this anchor of you are loved. You don't have to think like, well, I'm only special if I'm a part of this group. And and if we're on the winning side and everything's good, then I'm good too. No, this is a foundational anchor to your soul that you must cling to, that you are loved in Christ before the foundation of the world, and you are put on into God's family. You are part of his eternal family. And I want you to see when it talks about being adopted here, what this means, okay? So we're going to look at point number two. We are adopted as heirs of God, okay? Because we can talk about being children of God, and that's part of what it means to be adopted, to be part of the family, but I, I don't know you, but some families, just being part of the family isn't good enough, right? There's always the kids that are like the special kids, right? They're the favorites of the parents. They're the favorites of, of you know, the other siblings, and you're on the outside, you know? We're, we always try, we always, this is what shame does to us too often, is it always tries to put us on the outside, like you're not good enough. Even though you're in the family, you're just, you're not the favored child. Sorry. You know what I mean? You just got to live with it. But that's not what God does with us. And I want to look specifically at Galatians chapter 3, where it talks about being heirs of God, being children of God, and what it means, okay? Now, he's making this this picture because he's talking about the law and how the law worked, in in a sense, in the family of God. It says, now, before faith came, that is, before our understanding of the gospel, what it means to just accept what God has done for us and accept that he's made us part of his family, says, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So he's saying, look, the law came in, and ultimately, it was just keeping us controlled, keeping us in, in a box, so to speak, so, uh, to help us realize we had a problem, <laughs> we needed God, but we weren't acknowledging it. And then he makes this, makes this analogy. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. Now, in the Roman society, what they would do with the children was they, they would put a slave as, as like a, you know, a governess or a, just a handler, a manager of the child. They would, they would tell the child what to do. They would tell the child where to go. The, the, the slave had the guardianship of the, ch- of the child, had control of the child, even though he was a slave. So and that's what he's saying here. The law was that to us. It, it kept us under control, in a sense, it told us what to do until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian 
He's, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, you, you could say, well, we could translate it, sons and daughters of God through faith. Actually, literally, he's saying here, sons of God through faith. Because in the Roman society, the son inherited. The daughters couldn't inherit. Hebrew, Hebrew society, Hebrew society, the girls could inherit too. You see that example in the law. There's questions about it. And they said, yes, the daughters can inherit too. But in the Roman society, sons could inherit. No one else could inherit. And so he's, but he's, so he's saying, not only are you in the family of God, but he's specifically using the term sons of God through faith. How do we know that? Because he explains, for as many as yours were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So he's saying you're in Christ, you're now Christ. You're, 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 he, this, you, you become in Christ. He's, in a sense, surrounding you, and therefore there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. He's making this argument. You're, you're all, you're all in, once you're in Christ, none of these other categories where you tried to say, well, we're, you know, the Jews are better than the Greeks, or the Greeks are better than Jews, or slave or free or male or female, none of those matter. You're all, what he's saying is one in Christ, you're all one inheriting what Christ is and what Christ wants to give you in him. He goes, he keeps making this point. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is an owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons." And what, again, what he's saying here is not just sons like, okay, you're in the family, but sons as heirs. You're heir, an heir. So when we talk about what it means to be part of the family of God, what we're saying is you're all the way in. You're all the way accepted. You're all the way uh, received. You're all the way in. There's no like, okay, like some, some religious out there believe you, well, you can get into heaven, but you're not part of the in-group still. So you kind of, you don't go to hell, but you're kind of, you're not as good as the other people are, okay? No. In Christ, you're in Christ. You're all the way in. As accepted as Christ is in the Trinity, you are in the family of God. This is the same inheritance that Christ receives, you receive. I want you to think about that for a second. Because there's always this voice in our head that we can't always argue with. It's not always logical. But it's a voice that says, you don't measure up. Somebody thinks someone else is better than you. Somebody thinks someone else is more worthy of you. Somebody, th- somebody thinks someone else is, 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 is more capable than you. There's that voice in your head. And what Scripture is saying here is that's not God's voice. God says you are adopted as an heir of him. Eternally, forever, you are part of the family of God. And not only are you part of the family of God, you're going to inherit the wonders and glories and blessings that Christ has won for us at the cross.
You're not on the outside looking in. You're all the way in. And he said he chose to do that. Now, we say, well, I don't experience that right now. I get that. That's actually his point here. Is he's saying, you, we, this is an adoption that isn't fully experienced yet. None of us can say, hey, I know what it means to be fully a child of God. But it does mean that we can understand it because, and again, he goes on to say this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We can talk to God. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That's what he's saying. He's saying you're part of the family of God, and not only are you a part of the family of God, but you're an heir of God. You're going to receive the inheritance, the blessing that God has promised to those who love him, ultimately the same blessing that Christ is going to receive. And why does that matter? Because again, we're on the individual side, we're like, but I want to be important. And what God says to you is, you are important. You're my heir. You're co-heirs with your brothers and sisters. You're all going to receive this great, glorious, amazing inheritance. You're all the way in. You're in the will. And you're not going to be written out. And because that's true then, the call for us to, is to accept this identity, to live in it. So therefore, point number three, we can act like our father and share with our brothers. So there's two, I, if this is our identity, if this is the anchor to our soul, that we are adopted to the praise of his glorious grace. How do you live that, that identity? And the New Testament gives us two ways, okay? It calls us to act like our father and to share with our brothers. Can I get just, even from Ephesians chapter 5, what does he say a little bit later on? He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. <laughs> He's like, hey, your sons and daughters of, of God, then act like it. Imitate him. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He's like, this is how God acted. He was, he was sacrificial. You can do the same thing. And on the flip side, he says, but sexual immorality and, immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named even among you as is proper among saints. He's saying, hey, walk like God does. Walk holy lives. Love others. Walk in love. Why? Because you are children of God. First John puts it the same way. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. We're children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. We don't know exactly all the blessings we're going to receive. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. He's saying, in a sense, he's saying, act like your father now because when you see your brother, you're going to be like your brother. So start acting like it now. It's an act of faith. It's a walk of faith to say, okay, I'm going to put away sin. I'm going to put away uh, covetousness. I'm going to put away all these uncontrolled desires, and I'm going to act like my father. <laughs> right? And you know, one of the problems we have, one of the struggles we have as Christians is when we stop acting like our father. We're like, well, I'm going to act like 
someone over here, they're cool, they're fun, they're amazing, I'm going to act like them. Like, uh, wait a second, your father loved you, he adopted you, he made you an heir, why wouldn't you want to act like him? Well, we, we lose sight of what God has done for us, right? The other thing that we're called to do then is to share with our brothers, right? Here's talking about Christ. Says, Therefore, he had to be made, that is, Christ had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of, of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Christ was, in a sense, Christ was made part of this family and, in, the, in a sense, the head of this family. Why? so that we can share as brothers. We're co-heirs with Christ. And he's like, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm leaving the, the glories of heaven and taking on the sufferings of sin. Why? Because I'm part of this family. I'm going to share in the joys and the struggles of this family. I'm going to work at doing that. Let me just read you a couple of other passages of Scripture. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Again, based on your brotherhood. Don't act like, well, I can do whatever I please, but now you have a chance to share in the joys and struggles of your brothers and sisters. Do that, is what he's saying. 2 Corinthians 8, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to the means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. He's saying, look, this this wasn't based on their circumstances. He's like, they were extremely extremely poor. They had no resources. And yet they they were extremely rejoicing in what God has done for us. And out of that, two of those things... Somehow they combined for them to be generous to you because they knew you were in need and they wanted to share in your sufferings as brothers and sisters. That's amazing to think about, right? It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on the fact, oh, well, I can't do it. No, we are called because of who we are to share with our brothers and sisters in their joys, in their sorrows, And again, you know where we struggle? When we stop sharing with our brothers and sisters. When we stop feeling like I've got to, man, they're on their own. I I don't need to pray for them. I don't need to reach out to them in love. I don't need to send them a card. I don't need to give them money. I don't need to worry about their problems. I've got my own problems. We all have problems, Right? But if we stop sharing, we stop experiencing what it means to be adopted. We stop experiencing the glory and the joy of knowing that we're part of the family of God. And yes, it can be hard. And yes, we can bear one another's burdens. And it, it feel like a burden. It is a burden. But when we do that, we, we get the joy of knowing that we are part of the family of God. And we get to rejoice in that fact. We are part of the greatest group in history as an important member of that group. And we exist 
to praise the one who has made us part of this group and to do it by acting like our Father and sharing with our brothers and sisters. The question is, will you do that? We, some of you don't know this, but we uh, took on as a kind of a fundraising project, but also as a, as a kind of a group building project in some ways, trash pickup. So uh, primarily, historically at least, the, the, the college students picked up trash on game day and the high school students picked up trash, finished it off on Sunday after church. And the Iowa State-Iowa game is the worst game for trash, you know. Just a little dig here at Iowa fans. Yeah, just, yeah, it's just the Iowa people, you know. It's what it is. Like, we had a couple Iowa people come up to us. Luis and I were out there picking trash up, and two Iowa people came up to us and were like, it's, it's never bad. It's never this bad in Iowa, in Iowa City. It's never this bad. Obviously, these Iowa State fans are atrocious. And we're like, um... This is actually the worst game for us, just being honest, you know. And, and, and it's the most people, pretty much, is the problem. But, uh, but the point is, is that we're always, we're always, in the flesh, we're always looking for an angle, right? We're always trying to make ourselves look good, rather than saying, how can I serve? Because I'm part of this family. How can I share? And the, the fun part about it, Lucas was telling me this too, he's like, you know what, it's hard work, and it is hard work, it was just hot enough yesterday, you sweated like a pig out there, but you, you could still work and not feel overheated, and I was like, come on, just make me overheated, I'm too sick, I can't quit, you know, can't do that, don't have that excuse, I had to share the sufferings, you know. And so we're picking up trash, and Luke is like, yes, it's hard, but it's, it's, it's really fun to do it together. And that's actually the point. Life is hard, but we get the privilege of doing it together as brothers and sisters of God in Christ. So will you share? I don't know how this week but if there's someone God can put on your heart to reach out to, to pray for, to love, to share with. You know, we, we're, we're going to announce community groups over the next couple of weeks, and some of you are in them, some of you aren't. We're gonna, we encourage you, get in a community group. Share life together. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. We, we, we had some people in need over this last couple of weeks, and a couple of the community groups are like, we're taking care of those needs. We're going to share in the suffering. We get to share together. Why? Because we are part of the family of God. We're adopted. This is who God made us to be in Christ. So will you do that? Will you share together? Will you walk together? Not because of what you can do and what you've accomplished and what you need to prove to yourself, but because of what God has done for you in Christ. You've predestined to adoption as heirs of God. Walk in that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that it's not based on our performance, it's not based on what we can accomplish ourselves or how much impact we can have or how important we are to ourselves. You have adopted us into your, your family in Christ. For those of us who have trusted in Christ, 
we are part of the family of God. And it's not yet been revealed to us. We don't get to look around and see the amazing people that we're going to be in eternity with you. But right now we get the joy of sharing with our brothers as Christ shared with us. To share in the joys and the sorrows of life and to point one another to the great God who adopted us. Help us to keep our eyes on you and rejoice in the adoption we have. In your son's name we pray, amen.